0: Grom. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chromecast. I'm Luke.
1: I'm Jonathan. I'm
2: Joshua.
0: And you are joining us in our 18th season, and this is going to be the uh, the seventh episode, if our math is correct. We're talking about the pool of the black one.
2: Looking number seven, jumping around the deep end, seven going, foot deep,
0: going uh, going on a little pirate ship trip. This is <laughs> this is our first piratey story. Uh, with Conan, yarr. Yar.
2: We heard about him being a pirate before, yeah. Amra, um, yeah, he's definitely
1: been a pirate. Hey,
0: we'll talk about it. There's there's some form, a style that's coming across mm-hmm. with uh, with this story, and it's something that we'll be familiar with as we continue to read through some of these kind of I would call like mid list or mid tier, <laughs> mid tier stories. But this is this is a fun one.
1: Grindhouse Conan era.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good way to kind of put time. it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about as far as the the central main content of the, the show today. What else? What are we drinking, guys? What do we got in front of us? Coffee. We got some Lavazza uh, coffee. I made you a big old us. pot. Uh, still working on that bag of beans. Nice. And uh, I got about one more pot out of it after this. But we got some coffee. Also, I got some hams, some... Big old 16-ounce cans of hams. I opted for that when I was at Kroger. What did you bring, Josh? Uh,
2: I've got Evan Williams, the, the classic, the black label. This is 86 proof Kentucky straight bourbon
1: whiskey. You tricked me. I hadn't seen the label yet. I thought maybe it was Benchmark. It is not. It's got that square look to it. It does have that square yeah, look, yeah that's, yeah. that's a confusing Dude.
2: model. Both have black labels. <laughs> but this uh, Evan Williams went through, I don't know if you know this, but a long time ago, went through and etched his name on a whole bunch of bourbon bottles. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. So you can still see this is one of those original bottles. Yeah. So anyone out there, uh, you pick one of these up. That's one of the original bottles that Evan Williams etched his name on. Pretty cool. And then John, what do you got?
0: What do you got in your thermo flask there? Me? Oh oh that's Josh's thermo yeah. flask. I uh, also have some water. Your thermo flask? W-
1: water. Oh. <laughs> Hi- hydration station.
0: <laughs> so we've got <laughs> we got coffee, we got water, we got some beer, we got some whiskey. We're uh we're hitting all the the major drinks. Yeah. All we need is some sweet tea, maybe, the- and some Kool-Aid. And and some and rum. rum
2: for the pirates? <laughs> but, yeah, it seems like we should have rum, but we've got some spirits.
0: That's so what we're drinking. Uh let's go ahead and shimmy on over to our one thing. <laughs>
2: Oh, like, shimmy yo, shimmy yay!
1: <laughs> I like your shimmy voice. Do you want to lead us off, John? Sure, I will. I was talking about my one thing with Josh the other night. Uh, I texted him a picture of a comic book I was reading. It's called Superman Year One. Uh, have you ever dipped your toes into it, Luke? No, i familiar with Batman Year One. I have bonkers. Uh, Frank Miller is involved, the is, yeah. uh, and then John Romita Jr. And I remember when it came out, there were lots of people. Like this is not too long ago, like twenty. 15, 16. Yeah. It's it's post
2: like Batman, like his, uh, uh, all-star Batman and Robin, right? Yes.
1: Yes. Much, much later than that. I had heard it was really nuts, but I wasn't quite prepared for just how crazy it is. He definitely writes a weird Superman and he is like sort of framing it up around four different women in Superman's life. Mm -hmm. And so it starts with him and Lana Lang and then it's, it transitions to him and Lori Lamaris, the mermaid from the Silver Age. And then it's Lois Lane and then it's Wonder Woman. And it's like Superman getting progressively more Superman-y as he goes. But in Frank Miller's universe, which ostensibly is, this is like a prequel to The Dark Knight Returns and stuff, I right? I think that this Superman could
2: be the the conservative Reaganite Superman from, from The Dark
1: Knight Returns. Yeah. I, oh, it's 2019. It's much later yes, than I thought. Uh, yeah, okay, so much more recent than I had, uh, thought originally, but it's just three issues. And yeah, he joins the Navy SEALs at the start and goes through boot camp and then saves somebody and gets washed out because his commander realizes that he's in love with mermaids. Then he has to fight the mermaid king who wants to marry his own daughter, who's Lori Lamaris, Like there's incest plot lines. I mean, it's like pink, sort peak sort of crazy Frank Miller stuff. Wow! Uh, in the in the postmodern. I mean, era. I
0: guess I vaguely remember like when this book may have came out. Like, like what was the the superhero that he kind of came up with?
1: Holy terror! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That when he, it was supposed to be Batman goes to beat Al Qaeda. Yes. And then okay. they were like, "You can't do that," and uh-huh. he made his own thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's definitely come back from that edge okay. and he's apologized for some stuff that he's done in the okay. not too distant past and things okay. that he said. But he's he's trying to be out on the edge. I I have no idea why he made some of the choices that he did in the story. Uh I mean Superman is is pretty much just Batman in this whole like the the part where he turns into Superman is all in the rain and he's crouching on gargoyles. Uh, he even goes to Gotham City at one point, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and Batman in it is completely unhinged and has shotguns <laughs> that shoot electricity and stuff. And the end part is him, like Wonder Woman sees him and just instantly falls in love with him. And then he goes to space to find Kandor. And you don't know when he's coming back. Do you, so what was your thought when you read it? I can't stop um, thinking about it. I don't think it's good at all, but... <laughs> I,
2: well, no, I don't think it's good either. It, even in the, like the the weird way that all-star Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder, were, were good in that Frank Miller kind of is uh, becoming unhinged way. Right. There's nothing in it that's quite as fun as, you know, Batman and Robin painting themselves yellow so that right. Hal Jordan can't right. do anything to them. The art is real good. Yes. J- Jr. is like on top of his he's, game. He's on okay. his game. Yeah. Um, and I like seeing him draw Superman.
1: I was hoping for more of, like, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, Frank Miller. Like, yeah. that is the sequel to Dark Knight Returns. And it's bonkers, but it also is sort of cyberpunk. Like, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. I liked like, it.
0: It's the graphic design elements. Yeah. It's just, like, off the chain yeah. as
1: far as the appearance of it. And his yeah. art is very blocky and chunky in it, but I, it, I liked it. This it, was... A step out of that, even, <laughs> uh,
2: and it feels like that book, The Dark Knight Strikes Again, feels very self aware and, yeah. and like it's uh-huh. transcending itself somehow. Yeah, uh, in ways that that this it doesn't. Uh, I will admit, I only read the first issue. I've I've only read the I've only read. Oh,
1: the first okay. Yeah, oh, then I totally ruined it. It's, <laughs> it's fine. I'm, uh,
2: I'm never gonna. I, I only read the first issue. I'll give you my
1: reason. library copy. <laughs> Don't worry about it, dude. Um,
2: I remember liking what I, what I saw of the book, but not really being all that engaged by the story.
1: I actually could see that with the first issue. Cause the first issue is very much him coming into his powers and falling in love with Lana Lang and like very Smallville esque kind of stuff. Kinda. And he hasn't left yet. But then it takes... So
0: is it like the day after graduation?
1: Yeah, like- he he graduates and he tells his mom and dad, tells mom, pa can't, I've, I've joined the Navy.
0: I'm gone. Yep. <laughs> going. Yep. Like, going SEAL team. <laughs> kisses <laughs>
1: Lana goodbye and she never reappears. Like he promises to ride her and they'll see each other again. Never oh, man. No, never brought up once again. Uh, and then he falls in love with mermaids that he sees off the port bow during a mission. Uh, and Poseidon is is very possessive of Lori Lamaris' daughter and he tries to kill Superman with a Kraken and it's cause he wants to marry his own daughter. Mm. Uh, it's just so got real weird. Real fast.
0: <laughs> and then, so are Lois and, uh, wonder woman, both in the third book. Or is that... Yes.
1: So in the, in I the, think that could be a cool thing to explore. Like in the second to third book, he meets Lois and saves her. And then something starts there. But as soon as wonder woman shows up, it's like, she tries to kiss him goodbye before he goes to space and he kisses her on the forehead. And she's like, oh, you, you cute little naive boy or something like that. Well, uh-huh. he takes off to space <laughs> like he doesn't get what she wants, I don't think. And then in Dark Knight Strikes Again, like, oh, they're, yeah, they're in love. Right. They, they have a kid. They,
0: they the world is rocked. That's right. I forgot the power of their, of yeah. their emotion yeah. and that, that embrace. It's he's, like one of the best. He's not scenes. there yet. If I, book. Yeah.
2: if I remember right, Lois is dead in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Joker kills her. Maybe something to that effect. Um,
0: God, yeah. now I want to go back and reread uh, "Dark Knight yeah. Returns" and strikes again.
1: This one would not be as satisfying, okay. but it is a thing
0: <laughs>
2: that
1: was written. It's, it's an experience.
2: If <laughs> if you, you want to try it, I would get it from the library. So, so not in the higher echelon Superman stories. Like no Superman for all seasons uh-uh. or uh, <laughs> All Star Superman.
1: Definitely not. <laughs> That's oh, my one
2: thing. Cool. Is it Josh's turn? It is Josh's turn? I suppose. Take I suppose, it away, sir. I suppose it is. So, uh, do you guys? Are you guys familiar with uh, Ted Lasso?
1: Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, you, yeah. you watched the show. Same. I have watched I the, show. Watch I'm, the show. No,
0: I've not, I've not watched the show, but I am familiar with the overall uh, vibes and how it's a celebrated show. He's Especially a, the first season is like pitch perfect and like this yeah. this pinnacle high water mark of feel-good-but-insightful kind of kind of comedy, right?
2: There's, yeah, there's some darkness to it, too. Yeah. There, the, like, it's
0: subtle.
1: Is Bill Lawrence the director or the producer, the guy that know. did Scrubs? Maybe. I'd heard that he was involved, and that would make sense. It's a like, quippy dialogue. Yeah, it's quippy with dark behind it kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's real good.
2: Ted Lasso Season 3 started not long ago. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I I love it. I, I even loved Season 2. So uh, did,
0: did people... That was it. Not as big I think
2: because season one hit so so hard from from the gate that uh, expectations were pretty high for season two, and so it's like it's, tr- it's, it's like it's true got a true detective two. kind of feeling. <laughs> I they're, they play with some storylines with some characters that are very very much secondary okay. in the first season. Some are hits and some are not. Okay. And I don't know. Well, uh, people people don't like it nearly as much. And I wonder if it's not because when it came out was like peak early pandemic. Uh-huh. And we needed something like we that. Something yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. And, and just, you know, it just made everybody feel better. And now we're in 2023. And, you know, the pendulum has swung the other way. People want so, blood. Yeah. <laughs> blood and thunder. So Ted Lasso watch it you guys haven't watched it yet nice but you will i think and is and it
1: a college co- football coach that becomes a soccer coach or a professional football he's a professional coach football coach,
2: i think and yeah he goes and uh coaches was it richmond uh great britain the premier and, league yeah yeah and it's it's good stuff cool he doesn't know anything about football <laughs> like soccer football right, right with your actual foot yeah
0: <laughs> it seems i mean it seems like apple has a lot of good shows I think from at least what I've heard, but th- that's been like the, the, the throttle. Cause Liz had like a, an Apple subscription for a hot minute after she bought an, uh, like we bought an Apple item or something. And then it, it went away about the time. I think that Ted Lasso took off. And so we haven't, we haven't checked it out. I know Liz would love it though.
2: Yeah.
0: Just everything. Actually. Yeah,
2: I do. I think you'd love it. Um, and there's other shows on there that you'd love the after party has you written all over it. Cool. You, ha- you have to watch that party sometime. Anyway. Apple TV. Apple TV, that's my one thing. <laughs>
1: we are not sponsored by Apple TV. No. <laughs>
0: Alright. So uh my one thing is actually a carryover from the last episode because we were running a little bit long and I didn't want to sidetrack us too much. I guess uh, my general one thing is Bobby Derry, but my specific one thing is a publication that Bobby Derry did that's called Strange Stories of Robert E. Howard and Company. Uh, so this was uh, Bobby's Howard Days release because Bobby Derry goes to Howard Days. He prints off copies of an Ashcan edition of like, or I think that's the right term, like an Ashcan run of of a book that he does whatever whatever it is he's done like five of these maybe i think first starting with the robert e howard bar guide and then he had one called weird beginnings which has like uh spear and fang as well as in the forest of vilifer and then uh gruber uh chris gruber and bobby put out one called the robert e howard sampler in 2018 which is this like is pretty much uh Uh, the copy of like, hey, you want to start reading some Robert E. Howard and get beyond the sword and sorcery? Read this. That's a smattering of all of the cool work and there's little bits of essay material. And so Bobby's done a lot of things. Last year, he uh, had... uh, a volume that was about E. Hoffman Price and his trip to Cross Plains, and it has like these amazing uh hand-drawn maps in the style of like a of a sword and sorcery novel and all kinds of extra cool material. But this one that I want to briefly talk about here right now is called Strange Stories of Robert E. Howard and Company. And I believe this was the edition that came out uh at the 2019. No wait. I'm not for sure. This was around 2019 Howard days, maybe 2021, but it is awesome. It's about Arthur Mackin, compared and contrasted with Robert E. Howard. Uh, the two stories that are discussed are the red hand and children of the night. So Bobby presents both of those uh, two stories and then has An essay. And then the other two stories that are discussed are, let's see here, The Slithering Shadow, uh, which of course we talked about last episode, which is why I'm bringing this up, as well as The Tree of Life by C.L. Moore. And then there's two extra essays that Bobby offers. One's called Thog and Thag, which offers just a page or two kind of compare and contrast about the nature of the evils in that C.L. Moore story and then the the Robert E. Howard story. And then there is a much longer, I guess, treatise on uh, Robert E. Howard and C.L. Moore's correspondence. And it's called Conan and Jarrell, Robert E. Howard, and C.L. Moore. And it first appeared in... Uh, Uh, the blog on an Underwood number 5 back in 2019. I don't think... I looked at my copy of Weird Tailors, which is Bobby's book that collects a lot of the essays. I don't think it made its way into that book. So this may be the way that you could actually get this in print. Like if you would ever run across it if you were at the the Robert E. Howard house down on Cross Plains, they might have a back issue or something like that for sale because that's something that whenever Bobby wraps up with the comfort the conference, the meeting, the, the Howard days, the get together, the convention, the what you know, have you. The the extra books, I think he just gives them over to Arlene and the people there at the house and he says, kinda do what you want, because I don't think he brings them back home with him. So it's one of the cool little perks about going to Howard Days, which at the time of this recording is probably happening because they scheduled it uh, earlier this year mm-hmm. uh, and around the time of when this recording will be dropping. It's probably going to be right at around that time. So, But uh, regardless, The Strange Stories of Robert E. Howard and Company, this has what I would consider to be a comprehensive essay that details Robert E. Howard and C.L. Moore's interactions you know, writing one another back and forth. It's kind of the history of their correspondence. It starts from kind of the birth of C.L. Moore in terms of her writing chops and how she got into the pulps and then goes post Howard's death and covers the whole arc of things. It's a long essay. If you want to check this out, get on On an Underwood number five and and check that out. You can find it there for sure. I have to think that it was a multi-part essay series that that Bobby did. I don't know, because I didn't click through. Uh, But it's awesome. C.O. Moore is awesome. This was the first Northwest Smith story that I've read, and it's neat that Howard was writing Zuthal of the Dusk about the same time that, you know, uh, C.O. Moore was writing Chambleau and coming up with her own tentacular monster, and... It's a sensual story, too. It's cool. Sorry for beating around the bush, but check it out.
2: No, it's awesome. I, I would love to do an episode on Chamblo. Uh I don't want to ruin. There's some twists. I don't want to yeah. ruin the twist for John because it's, it's good. It's good.
0: Yeah. So uh, I would love to talk about some Northwest Smith stories. Uh, there, this essay, it's so good. Like There's so much stuff that's in here. Uh, and I have so much bookmarked, but I know I've kind of talked about this and we need to move along. So I'll just I'll just move it along, but it's it's a cool thing. You can read the essay quite easily on the internet, but if you want to find a hard copy of it, you're going to have to hunt pretty hard. Uh, and that's it. Bobby Derry, thanks man. You are a gentleman and a scholar and the <laughs> big, the biggest the biggest boss that I know of the of the the Howard Heads because what you do as far as putting these things together is a true like service and love letter. To the fandom, and it's it's super appreciated. You're a cool cat. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you don't even have to be a member of a secret society to get a copy of it.
0: Just you know, you're there, and Bob, Bobby's like, "Take a free book." So those are our things, all mixed together. They're singular, you know, with with each of us talking, but you mix them up, and they become. One day,
1: I feel ashamed. I lumped Frank Miller in with Bobby Derry, <laughs> <laughs> unbeknownst to me. <laughs>
0: Well, Bobby Derry, Ted Lasso, Frank Miller. Yeah.
1: That would be a very so, interesting dinner. That would be. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Lasso would straighten him out, right? hes uh, this is He the- wins you over with okay. his positivity. Okay. I'd love to see that with Frank. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: Indomitable spirit. All
2: right. Uh, Speaking of indomitable yeah. spirits.
0: Speaking of uh, another guy. This Conan, the freebooter, he's a real piece of work here.
1: Not a very admirable fellow in this one. Why is that? Why do you think he's not admirable? He stabs a guy in the forest. You shot a man in Reno just to watch him die? Uh, he didn't just do it to watch him die. He did it take his job. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, It seems a little dastardlier for some so, reason. So
2: let's talk about Zaporavo And Well, I, are we jumping ahead? Should we talk about when the story came out? In uh, the canon of things?
0: October of 33 is when this came out. This is a weird I think tales. it's the seventh published Howard story, or is it like actually the right. sixth? Because we're on episode seven right now, and Gods mm-hmm. of the North, uh, Frost Giant's Daughter, came out of sequence. So, mm. it, you know, I think this was written after uh, Queen of the Black Coast.
2: I believe so, yeah. I
0: think, but it was published earlier, really right? I think. Yeah.
2: So, what do you make of Zaporavo versus...
1: Conan and these two guys and their 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 outlook. Well, if you look at their animal totems that are used in the story, one's a hawk and one's a, a pantherly tiger, right? Mm-hmm. So, Zaporovo is, he's like a, he's a watcher. He, he sees all things. Um, he's a seeker. Uh, he seems interested in arcane knowledge in a way that mm-hmm. Conan isn't necessarily in this story. Um, he has moldy maps that are falling apart all the time. Um, he's very possessive. Uh, mm-hmm. so maybe he maybe shares that with Conan a little bit. He seems like a more, he's sort of like cut from that captainly cloth. Conan is a is a player's coach to use our football terminology. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> uh, he clearly is like connecting with the men in a different way, whereas Zaporov relies on that that like separation. I'm above all of you. Uh, he's he's a bit elitist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that puts he's up in the sky like a hawk, and Conan is down with his men. As a predator. Do you think Zapparavo could do the same approach that Conan does with his men? He probably did once upon a time. Like, you get to be a pirate captain by sort of following that path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I assume after a while, you start to huff your own farts and you think that you are superior as a captain. He's got greater concerns, though, right? Yeah. This story leads off with one of those
2: italicized quotes that several of our Conan stories lead off with. And this is... An excerpt or, or poem, I guess, a poem about the uh, writings of Skelos. Mm-hmm. So, are we to understand maybe I, it says it and I missed it? But are we to understand that uh, Zaporabo has been reading
1: Skelos? He's probably got a library lend copy, right? A, a loner.
0: Yeah, it seems like he's he he he's uh, familiar with the occult lore, right? Like yeah. he's he's thirsting for knowledge. He's he's pretty sorceress with that, like with his presentation, I would say like he is a, he's a, yeah. a compare, a comparison. We could draw that to like Thothamon or, you know, some of the other source, some of the bad, bad sorcerers that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Not Peleus. I mean, Peleus is a bastard too, but he likes to party. <laughs> uh, this guy, he has, he has desires and, and machinations though.
2: Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't share them with anyone. He doesn't even tell his, consort
0: sacha sacha sacha
2: something like that yeah so we get a, a pretty explosive beginning with conan jumping on this pirate ship zaparavo saying you watch your ass uh conan making friends with the, the guys uh they keep as a ship as a crew they keep heading further and further west further and further west out away from the uh ships they could rob until they get to an island and when they get to the
1: island, bad things happen. <laughs> it is an ominous island with strange fruits that none of them have seen.
2: What do you th- What do you think of the uh, the fruit as a mechanism in the story? And is it any kind of metaphor? Like, should we read something into this fruit, like something biblical?
1: I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess I didn't read too much into it as far as like a metaphor, more as like uh, a utilitarian type thing, like. The people here clearly use it as a thing to to knock people out, so they can ensorcel them in their pool. Yeah, maybe I they bred it.
0: I would agree. I I feel like Zuthul of the Dusk, of course, has a similar intoxicant. I mean, Conan even references the the Black Lotus when he's you know talking about the fruit, but that has layers of meaning and intention and I think really contributes to the doom of the world. Uh, Like Zuthul and its decline, like the Zuthulians addiction to uh, their Lotus juice is a broader statement on like the civilizational decline that we see. Whereas the yellow fruits or whatever that, that are here, the sweet tasting fruits, it's a narrative device to me. That is like one of the ham fisted elements that, I don't like about this story. I think this is fun, but not to to bury the bury the lead. I like Zoothul of the Dusk way better than I like this story. Like if I was to, you know, do the comparison, I think this story is cool in some ways, but I don't think it has the meat on the bones
1: that Zoothul that does. It has some interesting subtext in it.
0: Yeah, I mean I love how sexy it is. I love the writing style. I think it is really excellent with physical descriptions. It's very... like The the world is is verdant and sensual. There's lots of cool descriptions of things. Uh, I know we'll probably talk about it as we move along, but the more recent, since our initial episode on this story way back when uh, of the the Hither Came Conan series that's on the Blackgate, uh, David C. Smith did the essay for this story, and he... Offers, I think, a top-notch analysis of some of the major themes in the story, and I, like I don't know, everything that he wrote in that essay really resounded with me in that in the reread that we did here. But he emphasizes the sort of the sensual nature, like the way that like uh, the the curves of the mountains are described and the lay of the land. You know, it's just as sensual as uh, Howard describing the curves of our our damsel in the story. And I like that. I think it's cool.
1: It doesn't he talk about foaming pillars in that essay oh, yeah. yeah there's a
0: lot of like penis stuff <laughs> yeah. and and vaginal stuff and sex stuff like <laughs> there's yeah. there's seething undercurrents, <laughs> which I like how Smith kind of makes makes the remark too that like Farnsworth right probably dug a fair amount of that subtext and liked his little entendres and whatnot. so that's a cool observation. I don't I mean, I don't recall too much of what we talked about with this story. Way back when. yeah. Uh, but I definitely don't require... or I don't... Uh, I don't remember us unpacking this as, like, a major sexy story of...
1: Based on your Conium. notes page. Yeah,
0: my, my, <laughs> my notes for this one are pretty lackluster compared to my, my notes from other stories. Like, actually, so, uh, my notes for this story from ten years ago said, Pool of the Black One, October 1933 in Weird Tales. Whereas, I have... A full two pages of notes for the Slithering Shadow, and then like four pages of notes, five pages of notes for Black Colossus. Oh wow. So I had like I had loads of notes for Black Colossus, and I would say like the average couple pages of notes for Slithering Shadow, but this one I didn't maybe I was busy like maybe. Uh, a week a week work trip or something. All I did was write down the dates. You weren't so feeling <laughs> the spirit. No, but I, I think this is fun. And I think there's some cool stuff about it, but to kind of circle back around to what Josh was kind of kind of you know laying out there, like we've got this cool opening. There's the use of fruit as a narrative device, but does it mean anything else? And Josh, you asked John, like, did he think that it stood in for anything? And I kind of said, I don't think it really stands for a whole lot of nothing compared to like what we see with the slithering shadow. But mm. did you have any kind of like I, I think thinking about
2: what it was for me? It's impossible to think about eating, eating fruit on some forbidden Island or forbidden, uh, uh, place without thinking about the garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something's going to go wrong. Like you can't, you can't just show up and not know what the rules are or even know what the rules are right. and then actively flaunt them. And so these people show up. They've been on the sea for however long. And I could see being like uh, on a, on a ship for a long time and eating salt pork and, and drinking, you know, uh, barreled water flat. <laughs> yeah. Just flat barreled water or ale or whatever. And, and getting to somewhere where you could get some flavor, you know, chowing down on some, some vitamin fruit. Like, C. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. fighting off the scurvy. But, um, I just wondered like fruit is the result of sexual reproduction in plants, right? And so that's to me, that's another kind of suggestion of like there there's all these there's all these depictions of of curvy women and curved um landscape and, and mountains jutting and and foamy pillars and I, I just it's just one more thing. And maybe it's not intentional, but uh, that's the, Those two places are where my mind went.
0: Yeah, it seems like, I don't know, we're talking about this, uh, pulling the, the armchair like coach kind of angle. I wonder if there could be even more meaning if the pirates drank of a, a stream, right? Like basically the water that's flowing from the pool of the Black One, this... This this evil water that you know chases them of a mind of its own and it's kind of penis like and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of ways that those pirates could have been subdued and captured. The forbidden fruit angle definitely does seem intentional. I I, I give you like I totally agree. Like it's it's got to be. It's just such an archetypal kind of kind of thing. It makes sense
2: and. If, if there's a fruit that tastes good that has some narcotic quality to it, like what are plant-based narcotics but defensive mechanisms, right? So you eat a bunch of this fruit and you go to sleep. I wonder if there's been this co-evolutionary relationship between these, these trees with this fruit and... These denizens of the the islands, the black ones that Howard describes, you know, for generations. So I I guess I took a lot of like just throwaway lines from the story and it felt like well thought out rich world tapestry to me. But, you know, that's that's it's meta text, right? Like just in thinking about the fruit and falling asleep and what happens to you when you fall asleep here and it's bad. And the plants need their fruits to develop so that their seeds can can grow, right? So sure. you got to stop these invaders, the people landing or whatever, right. on the island from eating your fruit. There's a lot of
1: taking, it. right? Like taking the fruit, then taking the people, making statues, taking mm-hmm. like. There's a lot of possessiveness in this story, and and not to mention Zaporovo, as you guys pointed out, yeah, is
2: possessive. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I, rambling a little. No, I His think claimed I think that's a good claim. I think that's
1: like, a, good a lot claim. of that. I think this story, like you were saying before we came up the stairs, just how bonkers it is. This is crazy. It's a very (laughs) crazy story. I know there's a lot of sexual subtext. I feel like, I know we probably did it the last time, but like the racial subtext is also really pointed. It's a Uh, weird thing because Howard says,
2: you know, these these are not men. Right. And that Conan is, is rationalizing, like I'm calling them black men. Right. But they are not men. They have
1: beaks and
2: like talons, weird and, yeah. faces, and yeah, they're they're obviously from some. And I think Howard even says from some related evolutionary tree that's not our own, right? Like,
1: right. They've um, been on this island too long and have speciated away, <laughs> right?
2: Uh, but they're abnormally tall. They're not. It's not like they're heavily muscled. They're just proportionate, right? They're just real big, and they make them real strong.
1: Takes uh, big strides. They're
2: fierce. Take big strides.
1: But I also feel like it's hard to say, oh, you know, that doesn't mean anything when, like, his first move on one of them is to stab it in, in the groin. That feels very, like, Freudian. oh uh, <laughs> a, a white guy going for <laughs> a, a black guy's genitals. Well, yeah. uh, And it- then the white woman getting kidnapped. Like, there's a lot of w- well, stuff. <laughs> they, they kidnap a white boy first. It's true. It's right? true. And I, th- I feel like there's got to be, I, I'm not smart enough to do it probably, but there's got to be a field day of talking about, like. This weird turning people into statues, which is never fully explained, like why they're doing it, but th- they own them forever. Yeah. It's like this weird reversal of slavery. I don't know, like possessiveness. Yeah, yeah, of owning these things for forever, and these even these forgotten races are cataloged within their their statuettes. Yeah, like there's just there's some weird Freudian thing there. So that, are, they,
2: are they just naturalists and they're just like grabbing? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: Figurine enthusiasts. <laughs>
2: yeah so you say this, the story is kind of r- fraught with, with those racial themes. Do you think that Howard's uh, explanation is, is kind of limp then that it's th- that these guys, they're, no, they're I, not men and I'm just going to keep calling them the blacks.
1: I don't think, I guess I don't think of it as, as weak. I think of it as it has to, I don't know. There's a trope there, right? Like, mm-hmm. of, they came from the Absolutely. white
0: women. It's Absolutely. Yeah. It's – it's – you know, we bring our own baggage post-1933 of uh, what happens in pirate stories when you land on an island with native peoples. Right. Right. Like I say that and then one are the first things that pop in your mind is cliches. That's – it's about <laughs> – it's right. about kind of like – so there's baggage – I, I'll, I'll stand by Zuthol slash Slithering Shadow for all of its orientalistic uh, or the or the the, the Oriental yeah, flavors that the, like Howard the yellow is tapping peril in kind of the thing, yeah. yellow peril you know I think that is a richer story because of the the drug addled languid better to go to sleep at the decline of civilization kind of tropes that Howard's playing with versus here. This is a half-baked story. We don't know enough about this evil race of monsters, you know, evil race of monsters. They're not people. Howard's telling right. us that, but they're black things, right? <laughs> like, I would be way happier if they were birdmen, and right. if they got whisked away to an aviary, like or like a, like an avian nest yep. high in the high in the trees. I don't know. Some like it's just it's just not like. I don't see a firm enough connection of all of the sexiness, like what these dudes are doing, the, the
2: the creatures. So that's a that's a good question. So what do you guys make of the uh ambition or goal or whatever that the titular black ones have in mind? Like what are they doing? We don't know. Yeah, I, I
0: mean it's a fever dream. Like that's something it would this would be a stronger story. I'm not one to say that I have to have everything spelled out for me, Mm. but there needs to be like eight more lines hinting at what's going on with the pool, what's going on with the statues, what's going on with the foaming green frothy chase, something to tell us just a little bit. There needs to be a little bit more world building because we get lots of world building off the island, but once you get on the island, it's just – prettiness and vistas
1: and that i actually thought of that too about like right before zaparavo and conan start fighting zaparavo could have easily done a little bit of exposition and said you know get out of my way i'm seeking immortality like there's somebody here that will grant me life forever and you know then yeah. it turns out it's this curse of being a statue forever like something anything to really And like, that would be
0: even heavier right like yeah. if everybody inside the statues are living forever but right. they're up on a little alcove alco- right. or stair like and they the go case, mad yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It's easy to armchair quarterback. It is very easy to to armchair quarterback. But this is clearly, to me, not as well baked a loaf of bread or pie or cake or whatever baking (laughs) item you want to use. This is not as well baked as some of the other Conan stories that we've read so far.
2: It's got a soggy bottom.
0: (laughs) It's, it was, yeah, it's rushed. (laughs) Like it, it could have been tinkered with.
2: So I like the weirdness and the unexplained nature of it. I don't I think it would have been cool to have a little bit more world building, a little bit more like uh these these blasted cousins of the serpent men or, or some right. some kind of a thing that like fits them into the world a little bit neater. But even having said that, it's like a nightmare that you're watching.
0: It is it is dreamy.
2: And you can't look away like Conan doesn't even want to look away. He's he's seeing this horrible magic unfold and uh, watching the, the scene where Conan watches from the underbrush as the king or priest or whatever mm-hmm. of these guys pulls out a flute or, or a pipe like thing or whatever, like yep. whatever it is and begins to play. And the, the kid starts to like dance around spasmodically he's twerking in front of the these monsters that are uh ostensibly just laughing and and um the way howard describes it they're releasing these passions that are within the the person that they don't even maybe recognize that they have within them so so there's there's even more sensuality and weird i don't know coming to terms with Wants that you're yeah you're, like
0: primal desires right that you're like, a to, lot of this
2: yeah, yeah and and these things are letting that out I and mean, that's horrible it's horrific to watch it uh it, it, he describes it as watching someone's soul being stripped and uh-huh. laid bare right and he and he can't bear it and he wa- he looks away and when he looks back uh or I guess he watches him get dunked in the pool and get right. turned into a statue or or he doesn't see the statue maybe he turns away can't can't watch anymore and then what's done is done and i think that part is strong uh this is this is cosmic horror on a level with lovecraft that Mm -hmm. is in our pirate sword and sorcery uh story that up to now has just been that really right yeah it's it's just been like they're pirates they're they're they find an island they find some delicious fruit they're all taking a nap (laughs) Wow. Yeah, gonna, swirps, gonna yeah. do, do a mutiny right
1: <laughs> <laughs> why do you uh do you see any parallels because uh, what I saw when you were talking about he couldn't look away there's another scene where some of the same language is used for Sancha she's watching everybody stab everybody else to death mm-hmm. and she can't look away like it it's sort of framed in the same way like she can't she, turn she, her
2: eyes off. she's nauseated by blood but right. it's it's also something that kind of morbidly fascinates her
0: it's kind of like and she's dispassionate the way that she's looking at uh what's the 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 pirate captain's name that gets it uh zapper right? like whenever she comes on his body she's not necessarily like oh I loved him because she knows that he like she was his captive and she was like a possession like all of those kind of slave dynamics like we've talked about but she's also not like looking away and she's She's reckoning with it. Mm-hmm.
2: It's yeah, yeah. She she looks at the wounds. She knows that he's dead. Yeah, uh, and then pretty she, much immediately
1: knows it's Conan, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> right, know, right, right. knows it, and then looks up, and
2: there's one of the uh, natives to the island there drawing upon her. And so, uh, from like a a game gaming perspective, this seems like a a cool little DCC one shot yeah. where you don't know what the hell is happening. But it's bad. This right? is
0: yeah for sure. This would be a great funnel where you're uh, you're on a, a ship, a la the, the Northman rowing, and you get waylaid, and then you wash ashore. <laughs> you know you're on a pirate ship as a an oarsman, and storm you get washed ashore with like these other a holes that you don't even know, and then adventure mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like scary adventure because this you're right man the the pan flute and then the drowning like that is a visceral horrific scene to me that's the thing that really like imprinted as I was reading it like I re- I remembered then like oh I do remember this <laughs> this little vignette in my head from from reading the story I didn't recall all the other beats like I didn't recall Conan Killen's Opbo mm-hmm. like
2: I knew that happened, but I think there's another similar, uh, scene where he challenges a pirate captain and, and wins Uh uh-huh. the, the, becomes the Amra. maybe, Is,
1: am I, I don't know. Something like, like
2: he does this a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, fine, whatever. Like it's, it's an exciting story. And we could gush about all of the cool stuff that we like about it and i've i've been trying to like holy crap right. this 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 uh uh ritual with the flute is is horrific i do think i agree that it would have been cool to get a little bit more detail just a little bit more yeah. because cuz the the tidbits we get are not very substantial and if only we got some other thing some some other thing that set up what is actually going on here.
0: Yeah, I did a little bit of looking and I couldn't find any essays or like named scholarship about this story. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's somebody can <laughs> like Bobby or or any number of other Howard heads can say, "Oh yeah, check out A B and C to get more about like Conan and, and the pirate stuff." But I'm not familiar with any like straight workup of, like, these these mid-tier Conan stories that's not like Queen of the Black Coast. Mm-hmm. Like, not, there, not the, 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 the cream of the crop, so, as far so. as there. Uh, but it seems like, I have to think that the writing process for this one, like, if Howard would have done, like, one more pass, like, it really wouldn't need more than just two or three lines to just give a little bit more meaning to who these monsters are. And or what's going on with the fountain? You answer either of those two questions with just like a suggestion or two. Mm -hmm. And then the other one can kind of be extrapolated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And again, like with a reference to the Slytherin Shadow, like those Zuthulians, we totally get the story. We don't know a whole lot about Thog or whatever. He comes up out of the... The darkness and he's eating these dudes that really that's we fill in a lot of the spaces as far as who that character is based on our own lovecraftian knowledge and like stephen king's it knowledge right like that's a lot of how anybody reading that story today will kind of recognize thog is going to relate to other things but it's that better fleshed out who were the, the Zutholians that I think informs the story. And you get a lot more information dumped from, you know, the bad girl in that story. There's no there's no uh, evil dame to, like, give you the lowdown here. <laughs> there's, there's
2: not even a copy of the Book of Skellos yeah. that, that uh, Sancha could have read while she was bored one day and, and said, oh, I remember this chapter about this island and – yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's no. There's no exposition.
0: Or like for this. Like John suggested, the all it takes was that pirate captain, like, exclaiming in his his last dying breath, rather than dying like a boss, <laughs> you know, with a grim face. Like if he could have said, "Damn it, I was so close to immortality." Right. Dot. Dot.
1: Dot. I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> Too old for this. Uh, I think that one of the interesting things is some of the stuff online was talking about. It seems like one of the stories that Howard wrote a sort of a working story like a, uh-huh. a a very economic commercial story trying to get brundage to do the cover i was just checking to see if she did and this is the cover that comes up for that month it's oh, the yeah. bat lady uh-huh. the vampire uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. yeah so he got beat out by something cool i guess <laughs> maybe she didn't feel as inspired by this story but uh it does feel very commercial like that i guess like it it's it's very titillating and it seems like he knew that farnsworth would want it i guess even if there wasn't, I mean, clearly he he bought this one unedited, unlike some of the other stuff that we've talked about. It's right? As far as we know, yeah, yeah, like he he bought this one. So there there was a poll there, and there's some bangers in this story in terms of like Conan's uh, attitudes and like little Conanisms. Let's hear. It. You were talking about them beforehand. Well, mine might be uh, this part. It's not something Conan says, but it's something that Conan puts out or Howard puts out there about when Zapparavo allows him on the ship. Yeah. Uh, Zapparavo scowled, knowing the truth of that assertion, he hesitated and in doing so lost his ship, his command, his girl and his life. But of course he could not see into the future. And to him, Conan was only another wastrel cast up as he put it by the sea. Like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mentioned just serendipitously, Stephen King, just, just a few minutes ago, this, this, This I know I've talked about this before on the show, but I love the narrative trick of foreshadowing a character's death with you, the reader, having the knowledge that the characters in story lack. Like, that's just such a great way to pull you in to say... Yeah, you you want to turn the page to figure to see how this plays yeah. out, right? In what
1: order does he lose those things?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and the character's damned, right? Like it kind of establishes establishes uh, the kind of the noir trope too, of you're just watching this ugly train wreck.
2: Mine is going to be at the end, where they they have been chased from the island from this uh, living column of water that somehow. M- melds with the the chieftain of the uh the enemies in the story so they get away they get on the the boat they're all like freaked out there's let's see Sancha is standing near him uh hysterical tears coursing down her cheeks um, she's nude his his breeks are tattered uh, his uh, girdle is gone his sword is notched everything is is bad but they're alive right what now faltered the girl the plunder of the seas he laughed a paltry crew and that chewed and clawed to pieces but they can work the ship and crews can always be found come here girl and give me a kiss a kiss she cried hysterically you think of kisses at a time like this his laughter boomed above the snap and thunder of the sails as he caught her up off her feet in the crook of one mighty arm and smacked her red lips with resounding relish i think of life (laughs) he roared the dead are dead and what is past is done. I have a ship and a fighting crew and a girl with lips like wine. And that's all I ever asked. Lick your wounds, bullies and break out a cask of ale. You're going to work uh, the ship as she was never worked before. Dance and sing while you buckle to it. Damn you. The devil with empty seas. We're bound for waters where the seaports are fat and the merchant ships are crammed with plunder. Like, this is yeah. another one of those, like, that was a close one. Conan, <laughs> what you gonna do now? Giant melancholies. Uh, gigantic mirth. <laughs> gigantic I love, mirth.
0: yeah, I love the, the lines of, uh, you're gonna work the ship like you've she's never been worked before. The whole, like, I mean, it's Conan p- the possessor, right? Like, but also, uh, he's a. He's a working man. He's we got a pirate's got a pirate right. <laughs> like he's he's like get ready, dudes. We're we're setting sail. Yeah, and I love that kind of that that ethos, right? Like it's it's kind of ridiculous, but I didn't glom on to the the bit about singing and dancing there at the end and relating to the the pan flutes and the dude the, the kid very primally being like orgiast. I don't know. I maybe that's another little layer that that yeah. howard might have plugged in the, i don't
1: know the recorder solos have a deeper <laughs> meaning here at the
2: end well it's it's the the notion here at the end uh you know the ships are referred to as as feminine and they're going to work this ship right like there's there's oh. all kinds of all kinds of folds and and layers of meaning in this language in the story but you know taking it face value he's saying, you know. Like like it while you can, because one of these we're days to- <laughs> we're all gonna die. <laughs> right. So let's get what, what we can while we can by crime.
0: Yeah, it's not quite so poetic as the, uh, you know, the the classic saying that we're gonna get to in the the, the Queen of the Black Coast. Right, like mm-hmm. the <laughs> living and loving and slaying. You know, but it taps into that that same feel.
1: I want us to have a T-shirt: "Live and Love and Slay." And not
0: live, left, love, but live and love and slay. Live,
1: left, slay.
2: So I don't know, man. I I just think this story is bonkers. Yeah. Is this the story <laughs> is is bananas. It's worth talking be- about because it's it starts off like a pirate story, just like um, oh man, what was the pirate story with Conan? That we talked about with Rusty that time, and it's it's just a straightforward, straight up pirate story. There's nothing magical. They're just pirates, and that's what this starts off like. And then suddenly, there's these monsters, yeah. and and a Lovecraftian uh, horror at the core of it. And and I I just you get you get sideswiped by that, and then chased off the island. Conan's now in power on the water, and if this I, I don't know in canon. Do you guys think this story happens before or after the Queen of the Black Coast?
0: I hope it happens before that. This is like Conan as our as our reckless bit of a butthole before he becomes more aged. But I could see it argued that it comes out on the back end. It's Conan like after having lost love of his life, Belit. That kind of trajectory of it's mm-hmm. him slaying. I don't know. I, I've just always assumed it was before, mm-hmm. which maybe relates to how we read it the first time around. Maybe. <laughs> you I mean, know, just yeah. the fact that it happened chronologically and these are those those uh, Conan, the adventurer, the reaver. They're not these big capstone stories that seem
1: more substantial plot-wise, you know? hmm
2: I like the, the notion of this coming before. What, what do you think, John?
1: Uh, well, I, I like that notion as well. We have always sort of relied on that uh, Dale Ripke chronology.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: If we
1: look at what he's got, he puts this well after Queen of the Black Coast. So between Queen of the Black Coast and Pool of the Black One, we've got the Snout in the Dark, the Slithering Shadow, a Witch Shall Be Born, the Devil in Iron, the People of the Black Circle, Shadows in Zambula, Drums of Tombalku, the Veil okay. of the Lost Women. So... To quite a bit, quite a bit, yeah. Uh,
2: of those, it seems like a witch shall be born is to me that's older Conan, like that's the crucifixion one, right? Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. He's got this right before Beyond the Black River. Okay, so
1: one, two, three, four, five, six, which is
2: seven. also like uh, legendary tier Conan, right. right?
0: So I wonder too. This is kind of serendipitous too. I referenced the the Bobby Derry, uh book at the outset, like in his CL Moore. Robert E. Howard, long form essay. After Howard died, you know, shortly thereafter, it said that Donald Wolnheim had conceived of a collection of Conan tales and P. Schuyler Miller and John Clark's probable outline of Conan's career. And then, if that's something that's out there, I'm sure it probably is. Their uh, chronology? Yeah, like their chron- chronology. I bet it is. That would be cool to maybe that's a like (laughs) making extra homework for us Mm -hmm. to try to get more familiar with some of these potential chronologies Mm -hmm. uh, and stack them up, put them side by side, print them out or something and like compare and contrast. That sounds like fun. It would be, it would be interesting to see how people have kind of fit it in. And honestly, I don't, uh, I can't remember how I read this to begin with, but I don't think I have Conan the Buccaneer, like the Lancer.
2: This one would have been on, and it still is on uh, Project Gutenberg Australia, mm-hmm. um, and might be on uh, Wiki Source as well. Yeah, not sure.
0: and I had like an ebook. I bought like a Delphi was the name of a publisher. I bought like a, a Conan ebook. Yeah, uh, resource way back when that I used as my supplement. If I didn't have it as a as a hard copy, I would pull from that. And I I, I have no idea if this story is in Conan the Buccaneer. I just know that that's one of the Lancer titles and it seems probable given that it's uh, pirate Conan. <laughs> so I would be curious to actually see the, the Lancer that has the story and kind of mm-hmm. where it's situated because surely DeCamp gives you a little bit of like, blah, blah, blah. Like he did that, you know, like no. we've talked about for <laughs> some of the other stories up to this point.
2: You he seem to be fervently flipping.
1: Uh, I guess one of the questions I had, and I don't know if this is a good enough spot for it, but like, I'm a little shocked that this is the story that's the cover for the coming of Conan the Sumerian, mm-hmm. the Del Rey version. Like, oh the yeah, pant, the plate—the plate that they pick <laughs> to put on the cover is this story. I don't know if it's because the other plates are—are uh, are these all Gary Gianni, right? Right. If the other ones are too risque to put on the cover? Because this seems like a weird pick to be like, yeah, slap it on the front. Everyone <laughs> is kind of fully clothed. They got except, except for
2: the monster. Yeah, right?
1: And it's a monster. There's a sword. It's very action-oriented. I don't know if you had thoughts on that's that. That's a good
2: question. I, I, I think it is kind of there's an element of movement, of motion yeah. there. It's it's very dynamic. He's, he's coming. He's coming. <laughs> the, yeah, he's coming. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I don't think that's even something that I've – paid all that much attention to before you just pointed it out.
1: I'll stop being Sorry. weird. What did you want to talk about instead? I, I don't, don't stop being weird.
0: Uh looks like side Can't note, this one. is in Conan the Adventurer. Okay. I think. Uptick with the voice. Nope. I gotta look here. Oh here we go. Yeah. So this was in Conan the Adventurer. I do have this one actually. Because mm. I do have that. And it does feature a Slithering Shadow. Oh, and people of the Black Circle. I haven't got to that one. Also drums of Tombalku, which I don't think we've read. Mm-mm. Cool. Alright, well. This is a cool story. I'm glad we're talking about it. There's there's a lot of there are uh some substantial bones to to chew on.
2: I'm I'm holding up my copy of uh coming of Conan of Samaria Volume One and there's a plate on page three forty seven with Kosatral Kel. Clear-cutting the forest, yeah. chasing Conan—that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know. I—I I don't think the art is necessarily a bad pick. I think it's—I think it's a good cover. Yeah, it looks very mural-esque. Like you could see this as a bas relief, maybe. <laughs> I didn't mean to take us off course. No, you're fine. Sorry. Um, Luke was trying to steer us back on, but I—I I stubbornly wanted to show you guys that picture. Yeah,
0: I mean, you could. That would be a great way to have Cody and the Sumerian yeah. on the first like having yeah. a bit of, you know, Cody and the King type things. I don't know. This is a cool story.
2: It is a cool story, but I don't think it's one of my favorites. I wouldn't no. put it I wouldn't I wouldn't put it toward the top. We haven't talked about our top ones in a while. Maybe we should for next time make <laughs> our a list.
0: A tier list. A tier list. That's, that's something that the Warhammer players do. Like tier list. That's how you Except you just don't do A's and B's and C's and D's. You have like
1: S, a, it's that kind B, of stuff. C, D, yeah. It's a,
0: is that a sports sports thing? Uh, like a football thing?
1: I only know it as a Super Smash Brothers thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, like God tier is S, right? Mm-hmm. That's the highest. Yeah,
0: well, it blows like A and B and C and D and F. Right.
1: Well, you're a professor. <laughs> That's, my <laughs> That's my way.
0: It's my way. But uh, having maybe that would be a fun little interlude like we get like to the halfway point and we build our our tier list and then we argue about
1: no you wrong ranks. dude
0: <laughs> I like that
2: I like that. That I also, would
0: be a fun filler. I also
2: I also like the the idea of uh uh drafting
1: a fantasy draft. A fantasy draft, yeah. <laughs> uh
2: all of the characters oh. in, in the Conan story so far. Mm. And and we'll do we'll figure out who gets first pick and we'll draft them Damn, to, Conan, make it, to make Conan's our uh, right. Yeah, you can't have Conan, you know.
0: yeah. No. That that uh copyrighted 2023 by the promcast <laughs> nobody can steal this that is a baller idea
2: it'd be fun i'll, I'll start I'll, I'll get right on the spreadsheet
0: <laughs> four rounds i love it oh, how yeah how do you do it i don't know
2: i don't know commissioner josh <laughs> i don't know we'll, I'll, I'll think about it i'll i'll make a note we'll talk to the commish uh <laughs> Conan character draft
0: we could probably just wrap that into uh our, our tier list like story tier list and then character draft, mm-hmm. like who's your who's your squad, offer your justification.
1: Oh, yeah. What's that other way that people do that? You have $10, and then they make a list of the characters that some of them are worth three, some of them are worth two. Some oh, are worth dang. One. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. You can, have, you can only have five or something like I'm,
2: that. I'm thinking of this as kind of a... Uh, Kind of a Warhammer ish, like who, who's your who's your who's on your team? Yeah. What do they do? This is like, your kill team, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, no, you like your Marvel game,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hero clicks. yeah, they're, they're both it's kind excruci-y. of the same, a yeah. snap. similar. Oh, a Snap! Yeah, that's yeah. a, a different thing, but yeah, they they all have different skills and
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: All right. Look forward to stay it. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned to those hijinks. Uh, okay. Uh, if,
1: if you thought we were wacky when we killed Conan, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm excited for uh for, for Lucius to uh to be drafted as a as a total nonsensical character <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that we've given this secondary right. like expanded universe <laughs> presence. <laughs> he's yeah. mentioned in the story, he's just not named. Yeah. That's true. Lucky Lucius
2: or something. Lucius. I don't Leavitt. even
0: know. Daddy issues. <laughs>
2: All right, there's a lot there we need to unpack someday, but I think yeah. we need to let it let it, it stew for a little while. Leave it later. on the
0: table. Yeah, we gotta row this boat, sail these seas, work the ship.
2: Yeah, I heard the lifeguard blow the whistle. We gotta get out of the pool.
0: <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta sail.
2: Give you some sugar, baby, That's and right. then Jeez. gets out of there.
0: I'll spill your blood like it's uh, rubies cast from a bag. That, something like that. There's a reference about like spilt rubies. Oh yeah, in this, well, and really I thought funny. it was very poetic. It's it very little, Howardian. It so the language, Jeff's
2: the story, the writing is good. The storytelling, I'm just not yeah.
1: much on. For this I, I would agree. I think Howard was having fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. He I was, would even I would say characters too are um, on a scale. <laughs> if we're doing A's and B's and C's. I would say that the characters are solid, like B pluses. Uh,
2: Zoperado is awesome. Like, Yeah, right. Um, I, I, I know that you're not supposed to like him, right? Like he's the guy, he's like, get off my poop deck. And then right. he's up on the poop deck by himself, uh-huh. just kind of scowling <laughs> at everybody. But if you really stop and think about him, he's reading these, these Necronomicon tomes. He's reading about uh, treasures that are beyond uh, mortal understanding. And he's a swordsman. He's a technical, like a sword master. No one, like Howard says that no one is better. Nobody's better. Nobody's better at the sword with swords than Zaporabo, but Zaporabo has never fought uh, uh, someone like Conan, who knows how to fight with a sword and how to fight dirty, like how to how to win. And I I feel like there's something in here, like there's there's when Zaporabo and Conan are fighting each other, it's very. It's very much a callback to me to the boxing season where oh, yeah. where yeah, Zapparado yeah. is losing and he knows he's losing and he's like, I'm it's like I'm fighting an elemental force itself. Right. Like, yeah. I, I right. cannot win.
0: That's a that's a good observation, dude. It totally is that. Because there's some of those fighters that are like aquiline features, hawkish, mm-hmm. pr- you know, they're they're surgeons, they're they're practitioners of the sport, but they can't stop that force of nature
2: yeah and I, as cool as a a book about shavatis written by scott odin is gonna be uh i i think in the right hands a book about zaporado the rise of Zaporavo. and and make it a cool hyborian age pirate thing and he's like Collecting scrolls of Skellos and he's reading these forbidden tomes, and maybe even knows a little bit of weird ass magic. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh,
0: man, uh, there's a there's an author and and an editor named uh, uh, Nathaniel or. or nate webb mm-hmm. he's in uh i think issues four and five of whetstone mm-hmm. and he's he also he's the the fellow that does uh well rake fire and then wind like are the two magazines that he's that he's launched i think but his couple short stories that are in whetstone are like chef's kiss like the most authentic Swords and Seas stories. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a that's a term, but it it is almost historical fiction with the way it reads, but it is still grounded in a fantastic setting, and it's it's beautiful. Like it very much captures a lot of the authenticity that Howard writes. But that would be my that would go. be my pitch for uh, for for the the novel. Hit
1: him but up. Yeah, yeah. Give, it,
0: give it to this this uh, this indie guy and let him run with it. <laughs>
1: I actually, I wanted to go back to your point about the characters are really tight in this story because it just hit me. It is the setting and it's the story because if you took, like, imagine Zapparavo, Sancha, and Conan sailing in to Zuthal. Like, Zuthal's on an island instead. And those three end up there. That could have been a really fun story. Yeah, yeah like
0: because like, Natala is... She's basically an enslaved or captive damsel, right? Like, because air quotes Conan inherits her right. like <laughs> Natala, right? And in this case, Conan basically appropriates Sancha like from the from the captain. It, but to me, Sancha's cooler, like in a lot of ways. With her unflinching gaze, like the way that she is taking things in, like Natala is a little bit more like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like right. a little bit like she's olive oily. Seemingly. Like and there's not there's still some of that here too. Sure. Right. It's it is taller right? Like it's yeah. not it's not the SM chick. Uh Thalas, yeah. Th- Thallus is the, the, the SM uh mistress that the pinhead. Yeah. But she's sexier, dude. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: and
1: with that I'll take, I'll take your I'll take your word for it. And
2: with
0: that, where are we going next?
2: Next time we're gonna go uh be roguish in a house. Uh, according oh. according to a uh, guide that uh, was written by Skelos in my pocket notebook, uh, we're gonna do uh, after pull of the black one. It just says rogues in the house, rogue dogs. Yeah, so we're gonna meet a corrupt priest. We're gonna meet another man ape Thack. or ape man. Is it
0: Thack? thack. Is it It's not Thog. It's
2: not Thog. This is that. What's a Thack?
0: Thog. thog, Thack. thaka, uh, Waka. <laughs> I was walk, going walk, for Fozzie Bear. Yeah, I was going walk, for like Fozzie Bear. Walk, like. I thought you were
2: going for Waka Flocka Flame. Yeah.
0: That's. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't get that. I, I mean, he's I a, almost get that as like a...
2: He's a rapper. Something the cool yeah, kids right? yeah. listen
0: to. Yeah. Okay.
2: You'll get there. Okay.
0: <laughs> give me a few years (laughs) Uh, once i unpack uh kendrick lamar and uh, still still working on that still working on that since whenever we last talked about that like (laughs) in our poetry season Uh i've thought about that i've come back i come back to the the poetry i'm so glad we we poeted it up
2: man that's something we could do every so often as a palate cleanser
0: you know i love it
2: yeah Uh, But that's where we're going next. Rogues in the house. This one is a uh, widely well-regarded story. One of those, one of those classic Conan tales. I think.
0: I remember, like, uh, we get Conan like in a dungeon. Yep. Right. There's a lot of like, uh, oh, you fall through a uh, murder traps. uh, uh, Murder traps. Yeah. Yeah. You fall Mm -hmm. through a wall. Behind the wall. (laughs) There's
2: a lot of uh, someone pulls a silken cord. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll have to play some Scooby Doo music as we go through this. Oh yeah.
2: Uh, but that's that's coming up, and until then, you can find us on the web at thecromcast.blogspot.com. Uh, call us eight five nine four two nine crom. Email us thecromcast at gmail.com. Did I already say that? I don't think so. No, I and think we're you're on. Good. It's the, all this stuff runs together. I feel like I'm just saying the Chromecast, the Chromecast, the Chromecast, the Chromecast, the Chromecast.
1: If you type it in enough, you'll find you'll all. find us. Yeah.
2: Google will say, "Did you mean the Chromecast?" And you say, "No, I meant the Chromecast." Actually, well, you have said
0: us. Chromecast. What? Like probably a half dozen times no, per episode.
2: No idea. Yeah, something crazy.
0: Because you always do the closeout, yeah. and it's like a half dozen times across a few hundred. E- like you've said, the Cromcat. Like you've done this. You're living.
2: It's a lynchian a- nightmare. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I just keep saying wait, it's a the muscle same wait. memory. What year
0: is this? Or oh, is that what he says?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where, when am I? When- what year is this? <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, that's it. You can find us on the web. And let us know. Get in touch. Let us know what you think of uh, the Pool of the Black One, Zuthal of the Dusk, Black Colossus. Let us hear your thoughts on these middle. Uh, I, I don't want to say they're all mid-range, mid-shelf Conan stories, but they are like we're we're approaching like the middle. We're in the middle quarter, right of the mm-hmm. ten, uh, of of the Conan stories that yeah, were published. We're getting into the big
0: middle, right? right. Yeah, like there's. Seven seven seven, probably something like right? that. So yeah. we're yeah, we're moving into the, the, the big middle.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until then. See you a little bit further down the road of Kings Redux.
3: Sail away on no a ball and changing, keep us from the roaring waves. Get her on the buttons, but forever we'll be free. So sail away a rig, the moon is falling slowly. Seven drunken pirates wear the seven deadly sins. Yeah! Satellite right and left the someone unreal. And Johnny Strong was standing on the left Passage ceiling What became of rebels who set you and me They're up with their demons in the search for liberty All oh, sufferers who suffer all can swim up on the desert Aphorists who trapped all the Took the bed with slander. Idiots, they gave advice to the slot, they gave no answer. I can kill, human soul but so would better tell the lust. Like Pablo's dogs, keep chewing on the legs they never trust. Oh, send away on a and chain, keeps on the road away. Get along the void But forever we will be free. Send away the In the milk is low, and so away. Seven drunken pirates, we're the seven deadly sins. We're seven drunken pirates, we're the seven deadly sins. In the center liberty, whoa! Oh, Say away, on a not chain, to from the wrong ways. Get around the avoid but forever we will be free. Say away, I'm gonna make a film falling so away. Seven drunken fighters with a seven deadly sins. Say away, I'm going chain, change from the wrong ways. Get around and avoid it, but forever we will be free. Say away, I'm gonna make a film falling so away. Seven drunken fighters with a seven deadly sins. Seven drunken fighters with a seven deadly sins. Drunk and Pirates, it's deadly
0: sins.